Welcome to the Kayak Fishing Obsessed Podcast. We'll be sitting down with a fresh guest each week. Someone who shares the same kayak fishing passion that runs through our veins. We're talking kayak anglers, kayak companies, lure experts. Heck, anyone who's got a story to tell about landing the big ones from a kayak. We're setting our sights on becoming the number one kayak fishing podcast in the world. You'll get a chuckle, a grin, and hey, maybe even a belly laugh. Because we believe in the power of humor. But above all, we're here to educate and inspire. So, whether you're a seasoned kayak angler or just dipping your toes into this exhilarating world, join us on the Kayak Fishing Obsessed Podcast. It's time to reel in adventure, camaraderie, and the joy of the catch. Here's your host, Darren Wendell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to podcast episode number 44, brought to you by the Wendell Fishing YouTube channel. And uh, if you're listening on the podcast and you've never been to that channel, over 800 videos on the topic of fishing and specifically kayak fishing. Guys, tonight I have two brothers fishing, and we're going to be talking about how to catch bass in October. I asked these two, Jeremy and, and JT, to come on because last time I had them on, like the beginning of September, I got some of the best feedback on a podcast that I've ever received, like the best podcast I've ever heard when it comes to like tactical. So I wanted to bring them back at the beginning of October, even though I know they have a lot going on. We'll get to that in just a moment. There's just, it's just a busy season right now. I resigned from my job this past week. This is my last week. And I'm going to be serving as the national vice president of development for childhelp.org, uh, which is an organization that basically meets the emotional, educational, and spiritual needs of abused, neglected, and at risk children here in the United States. So pretty excited about that. That's some new news for me. Uh, but if you're not live right now and you're listening in from the podcast, maybe you're, on your, you're working on your kayak, uh, you're out fishing, driving home from work or whatever, whatever you do, I'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to me via Instagram or YouTube. I actually don't respond to anything on TikTok. Uh, I got like, I keep getting notifications like you have like 100 people who have written. I just been ignoring them for months. Anyways, Let's hop in. Let's bring JT and Jeremy. Guys, welcome to the show. You guys are getting ready for a tournament, right? Oh, yeah. It's that crazy time of year. All the regular season derbs are finished, and now it's time for all the big stuff at the end of the season. That is for sure. So tell me how this how this all came about. What tournament is this? And for those who like don't don't follow all the time, um, man, I JT, we're friends. Jeremy, I've been watching you guys, but you like this is a long time coming. Yeah. So we fish a club called, it's the biggest club in, in Indiana. It's called the Grassroots Bass Yakin. It's a kayak focused club. It's actually the first group of guys I ever met that were tournament anglers. Um, as you, you know, you may or may not know, uh, I fished on an army base for years and Jeremy fished at a, at a bunch of ponds near another military base where he lives. But I mean, I got into kayak fishing because the, the Navy base that I work on, um, you know, had a really shallow lake and just loaded with tanks. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jeremy and I, there's probably a video from April last year where we had a day where we probably caught, I don't know, 20 some fish between three and five and a half pounds, just like Dang. every third cast. I mean, it was insane, Dang. <laughs> but I sold my boat prior to that because I couldn't get my boat into that lake. And I wanted to fish this lake for the rest of my life. And so we got into kayak fishing and this was probably about 10 years ago. So, you know, we go to Walmart and get the sit-ins and then eventually worked our way up to sit-ons and, you know, years, years later. Well, when COVID hit, 
they shut the base down, even for recreational activities. And I'm like, oh man, I still want to go fish, but I can't go to my I can't go to my honey hole where my YouTube channel started, where I make it look easy to catch bass, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I went out to the closest public lake, which is you know down over where my dad lives, and I was I was putting in, and I had three guys coming in fully rigged out kayaks. And I'm like, Oh, y'all, I, I didn't even know there was other people that fished out of a kayak. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, we're just finishing up a tournament for the day. And I'm like, tournament, what What kayak tournament? tournaments? I mean, Jeremy I and I used to, you know, Jeremy and I used to fish boat tournaments years ago. Okay. We had no idea that, that, that tournament kayak fishing was even a thing. And so we got to talking to these guys and then I started fishing with them a little bit. And then, you know, after a couple of years, Jeremy, you know, did one or two, you know, as well. But so coming up, it, it turns out they've got, you know, three different series. They have a lake series that is five different tournaments on, I think, I think like eight or nine different lakes. They've got three river series on three different rivers here in Indiana. And then they also have a trail series, which is a northern and a mid Indiana, I guess it is, where it's like five stops at various other places. So huge here in Indiana. I mean, lots and lots of fish caught starts in March and we just concluded. And now we're getting ready to have here in the fall, we have the lake championship and in the spring will be the river championship. Okay. So I qualified for the championship through finishing a bunch of the tournaments. Jeremy mostly fishes the monthlies and KBF and he fished one or two of the derbs, but not enough to qualify, but he dipped his toes into it this year. But, uh, so we have the championship this Saturday and Sunday this year. And one of the cool features they're going to do for the people who say focused on the river series and didn't really care about the lake series, we're doing a big team event on day one of this tournament. And so we drew out three man teams and just random draw. And on, on, oddly enough, Jeremy and I got paired together because it's like for six bucks, he can come in and, and, and fish this team event oh, nice. the one day. And then we'll have a big awards ceremony afterwards and hand out all the angler of the year. And then the following day when the tournament concludes, then we'll hand out all the, the first prize. They give away like four kayaks. They give away a $4,000 gift certificate for an on the water innovations trailer. I mean, it's a oh, big, Oh wow. That's big, a nice trailer now. You guys haven't seen this. It's like $26,000 in prizes Ooh. and whatnot too. So plus the, you know, the, the, you're the champ. So, I don't go to win with any expectations. I go to fish, have fun, meet other people. You know, it's, it's, there's, there's, we have dudes in this state and, and in this trail that travel around and fish against Guillermo and Christine Fisher and every Drew Gregory and, and those, you know, fluke master. We have lots of hammers in this state. So Jeremy and I do it recreationally, but it also itches that twitch for, oh, yeah. you know, getting out and, you know, doing a little tournament stuff. But it's a cool way also to meet other people too. So, yeah, that's kind of what we got going this weekend. But leading into it, we had a cold front last weekend while high school tournament was going on. We were out there pre-fishing. Nobody was catching Jack. And then it warms up in the 80s all this week. Uh-huh. It is supposed to rain on Thursday, drop 20 more degrees by Friday. And then there's a possibility we might be getting on the water at 40 degree temperatures on Saturday morning and a possibility of being on the water in the upper 30s on Sunday. Oh, that's hot. Yeah, so you know, I, I I got a jacket that I'll bring along just in case. But you know, <laughs> that on the water innovation trailer. If you guys haven't seen those before, the first time I saw one is when Chad and Gene did that video on theirs. Mm -hmm. And as they're walking through everything, I was like, oh, that's. I need to stop watching this video because I'm going to end up dropping 
it's a significant amount of money on one because they're not they're not cheap but they are super nice especially if you travel a lot so it makes sense and uh the more and more you become addicted to the sport the more and more quote unquote you invest <laughs> in it yes. but uh yeah. they are nice go, go check them out if you haven't seen those yet but i still got my uh utility trailer that i modified yeah. into a double <laughs> double decker kayak trailer it's working just fine for now until it doesn't but I got my and here between this tournament and then our state challenge series championship and Temptational down at Gunnersville, mm-hmm. somewhere in there, I will be bringing a new kayak trailer maker into Ooh. public. You might have seen Ooh. me if you follow me on Instagram posting some of their stuff while sitting in my driveway as a result of my recent trip down to Mr. Hoover's uh, to do for them to do a video with this new company, FTK Trailers. Fish Texas kayak trailers out of Glen Rose, Texas, down there by Dallas, Fort Worth. We're going to introduce somebody who's new to the trailer making market, Ooh. who's got a different spin on thing, uses a little thicker stuff. It's, oh, okay. it's, it's, it's going to be nice. But uh, I, I, I've had some of my, I didn't have him build it completely out because I had some mods myself that I wanted to add to it. And I'm working on those because, you know, I've got the old town kayak with the, the trolling motor. I wanted a big, there's only a certain size box that you get to put on front of them. I want us to be able to store the motor, but I'll cover all that too. But we're going to be introducing a new kayak trailer maker uh, here in the very near future over on, on my channel too. So I like, I saw pictures of it and it definitely looks different and I like it. I like the concept. I was like, all right. The dude even went so far as to match the rims on my truck with my trailer. And I'm like, going after miles. So Going out yeah, extra mile. Okay, so I got a question for you. So you're getting ready for this tournament, right? This is kind of a segue in tonight's theme, which is really just diving in to October. What are the fish doing? So with everything you said when it comes to weather, right? You had, <laughs> I mean, the smorgasbord of weather over the past week and going into this weekend. What are you doing with your pre-fishing strategy? What's going through your mind? Because in the green room, Jeremy, I'll let you start it off. We were talking and you've been up since the butt crack of dawn this morning. Just well, I'll I'll let you take it over from here. Well, yeah, I I got up this morning at three thirty um, and just started doing research. I know this time of year, what I'm looking for is the the grass is starting to die with the cold weather that we had come in, and I've noticed as the grass starts dying, they'll first move into the greener grass, but then when that's gone, they go to wood or rock. So what I was trying to do is find where the thickest vegetation in the area we chose to fish is, and then in hopes of finding a little bit of uh, grass, still a little deep, like JT found some the other day, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's worth more than actually catching fish for me pre-fishing, dragging in that grass, bringing it up. So right now, it, Indiana's it's in a funk, but... So knowing where they're going and what they're doing as you follow them, that's really where you have to start. Uh, Yeah, I I don't know how really to explain it best, but once you figure that they're no longer in the grass, you know it's rock and wood, and then you got to find what has rock, wood, and all the other components that they're looking for, access to deep water, bait fish, so you have to mix all that in with the weather and everything else. So I always tell people, if you have to choose between rock and wood, I prefer wood first. If they're not on wood, go find the rock. 
Um, you, you'll find them because in two weeks, the fishing's going to be phenomenal. Everybody mm-hmm. will be out just whacking them. I told my, my neighbor lady today, I said, in two weeks, I could take you out. You've never fished and you'd catch a, a ton of fish. It's because the baits are not necessarily so important during that part. But for me, it's this transition from late summer into the fall when they just disappear. The bigs go somewhere. I mean, I'm on a lake that I've been catching 19s consistently Mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, 13s, 14s, where do they go? And that's the trick. You've got to follow the steps and find them. So with these bass, the, the transition right now that they're in, mm-hmm. um, JT or Jeremy, I don't care which one. So walk me through, because we had you back last September. I mean, last month. And, you know, you gave a lot of, you know, you changed every base. You, even, you know, Jeremy, you're like, you don't use rattles anymore. In fact, you have, you use specifically <laughs> almost the same thing. Has that changed? Are you still, you still using that same strategy throughout October? Do you switch over to the hard baits, which you see a lot of anglers, switching over to right now i do half and half okay that's how i approach it because i have right now i have a 10 inch worm rod that's tuned ready to go and then i have another one for a seven inch 10 inch has a rattle in it now seven inch doesn't one of those two baits will catch my biggest fish this weekend i guarantee it But I have other baits we'll talk about and why I'm going to be throwing them too, because it all kinds to go together now where, you know, it's, this is the most important time where baits and, and the method that you follow is a little more crucial. Mm. So JT, walk, walk, walk us through, walk us through like what bass are doing right now in general and speak for indiana right and ohio because i'm kind of the kind of the same here what 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 did they just get done doing and what are they doing now and what are they going to be doing through october and then once we start getting to november it's like it's it's almost like game over for us up here in indiana Mm -hmm. and ohio Um, yep so unpack that for us so i mean for me it seems like this year i never know what these dang things are doing it's it's really it's body by body you know, any place I go, you know, whether it's it's clear or stained, a bigger body of water, a smaller, because I went fishing Friday and I went to one of my, my favorite places this year where I hadn't done a whole lot on. But I didn't have a whole lot of time because it was my wife's birthday. But, I mean, I had an idea that they would already be pushed up shallow because, again, this is a smaller body of water. The place where we're fishing, Patoka Lake, is a lake. It's the mm-hmm. second biggest lake in the state. Again, it's one of those that gets hammered by tournament anglers over and over. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just super busy, super huge. For the most part, a clear water lake, lots of grass, lots of rock, any kind of thing that you want to fish, you can find it. It's finding the fish. It's the fun part. And, you know, like, like I said, on that Friday, I was like, man, they're probably going to be in the shallow. Um, the water was pretty stained. The sun was beating down on it. I got there about noon. I had from about noon to three. And uh, I was picking apart outside grass edges, throwing a chartreuse and blackback crankbait just to see who was doing what. I also had a dark, um, full-sized um, D-bomb, uh, Missile Baits D-bomb that was in black-purple magic, mm. um, just kind of pitching it around the edges, too. 
and I caught a 19 and a half on that crankbait. Um, lost a good one on that D bomb. I just it 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 the, the bait bunched up a little bit around the the hook, and that was my fault for not switching hooks to one of like the grip pin hooks. Chad Hoover introduced me to those. Man, they're a little bit expensive, but they work. And so I switched over to one of those and then caught another good fish. I probably lost like that 17, but then I had to get out of there. But I was feeling really good, stained water, shallow, around the edges of grass that was still there and kind of proved literally everything that Jeremy just said. But I kind of matched what I knew worked in that color water. And that's why I love a black or a chartreuse crankbait with a black back and any kind of you know, it's kind of like that Starbucks coffee that's got all the extra cream and everything in it. You know, just <laughs> that that contrast works really well, along with like a black and blue jig or, like I said, that black magic D-bomb. But then we turned around and went fishing on Saturday down at Patoka, and we spent the first, I don't know, few hours just buzzing around the lake. And what we were looking for is grass, and we were looking for bait fish, any sign of life. We were also watching where all these, you know, tournaments were, you know, the, the kids that were fishing the tournaments. And I say kids but they're in that tournament for a reason. They have a dad and uncle, grandpa, somebody who knows how to fish. That's the coach on the boat with them. So Mm -hmm. it's not like they're hiding their best spots. You know, they're going to be out fishing the best stuff. And they were literally all throwing what we were throwing in the places we wanted to throw. But, uh, we wanted to target some other areas, knowing the kind of weather that we have coming in. And, and, you know, we isolated a few different spots that kind of concentrate fish and kind of, that's what our goal is this weekend. But, uh, I see Brian Schaefer is asking, is there a special color for October? There's never, there's never a color for the month. And I'll tell you why. Because it, what, what if your lake's clear and it's got dying grass? You know, you're not, you're not trying to be super unnatural and gaudy in clear water. You want those green pumpkins. You want something natural. You're trying to really match because the fish see the baits. You really have to fool them. If the water's stained, that's when you want those contrasting colors, those chartreuse with the black on the top. And a lot of people don't understand on crankbaits why a bait is yellow on the bottom and sides, but black on the top. If you ever sit there and cast your cast your bait in front of you and just watch it come in, the bait will roll, you know, left and right. And you'll see the black and the yellow mix. And what that's doing is it's making a line on the side of the crankbait. And the fish visually sees that. It sees there's a transition from a color to another color. Fish only really see red in our color spectrums, right? So it's like red and gray. So what you're doing is you're showing them something that's one color to another. And that that side-to-side shake of a crankbait, the mixing of those two colors, it literally makes a line across the water. It gives them something to zero in on. But... uh. So don't focus so much about having 50,000 colors. If you have, Jeremy and I always laugh because it's like, he's if he knows I'm going to throw Senkos, I'm only going to have two colors, black and blue and green pumpkin, green pumpkin with maybe red flake in it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. And it's just two different contrasts. The green pumpkin is more natural looking for that clear to slightly stained water and the black and blue literally just to give some opposing contrast in the water it gives the fish something to see in that stained water so a lot of people get hung up on colors and want 50 crankbaits of 27 different colors it might matter in clear water but again then you want to be burning the bait so the fish doesn't have a really good look at what you're throwing to determine oh that's not real you know what i'm saying so if you're if you're if you're if you don't know what to do and, and throw this time of year get a red lipless crankbait 
and just throw it everywhere. Or, you know, like the, uh, the um, oh, what was it they came out with last year? The Money Badger in that crawl color with oh, an yeah. orange bottom. You know, that along Red the was rock, all over that. Another, is another good one for pretty much anything. You know what I'm saying? So anything red in any color water, they'll probably chase it too. So there's, there's, there's a little something for you. <laughs> so for your pre-fishing kind of strategy, when you're looking at all these maps, I mean, I had Drew, Drew, Drew Gregory on a few, uh, last month sometime. And he's <coughs> like, I'm on Google Maps. I'm looking at past years. I'm circling like A spots. I'm then circling like B spots. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I he, he's like, I probably have 40 spots. And then I go back the next day. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, he was like, oh, he, this. when I first going over the map, I noticed there was a lot of lily pads. Well, as I continue to go around the lake, I realized lily pads aren't special in this body of water. And he started, started, started pulling pins. So what what is your kind of approach? Is it similar? Like, do you have like 40 spots? How do you like organize how you're going to, because it's tournament or not, right? If you, if you, if you really yeah. want to be strategic and catching fish in general, this is a good strategy, right? I always say a, a goal without a plan is just a wish, right? Are you going out yep. there just wishing to catch fish? Or are you going out with a strategy and you put the time in? And so what's going through your heads? See, Jeremy will go through, and he's our map study guy. So mm-hmm. he has, like, paper maps and books from, like, everywhere all over the country that are decades old. And then what he'll do with me is say, hey, bro, I need I need an electronic version of this somewhere. So I will send him, you know, like I've got, he's got Google Earth, so he can go back and look at past history mm-hmm. of a lake or an area that he's targeted year by year going back. And then I also have um, maps that have, like I sent him one today. He's like, I need, I need, a, I need a topo map of Patoka. So I sent him the one that I use, but that lets him get on it. And then he sees every, every line, every point, every hump, every saddle, every terrain feature of that lake. And that's one of the advantages we have of being, you know, soldiers is we're taught land navigation. So we really understand topographical maps and things like mm-hmm. that. We understand what we're seeing um, when we do that. But so he has his old school maps. I provide him the technology, but I will, uh, I'll let Jeremy kind of explain what he looks for based on, you know, especially the lake that we're going because every body of water is completely different. So how to divulge this anyway. So here's, here's how I do things. I'm a firm believer that, Every bit of information that is available to us as anglers, we should use. And that's, it, it changes. And I'm not talking about live scope because I don't have live scope. I've just got regular, you know. So for me, I take advantage of videos online, for example. But I go beyond that. Mm-hmm. I will look at the unit on a person's console to see where their boat is and see the map. So I can go look at that area to understand what it is that are holding those fish there this time of year. So for example, if you see a video and a guy catches a seven or eight pounder, same time of year, you're going to be on that lake, you know, look for those things, either look at the, the shoreline and try to identify the area that way. And the, the reason I say this, I'm not looking for his spot. I'm looking for what is in that area that's holding big fish. 
And then I take that information and I apply it to where I already know where I'm going to go. Because like today, one of the examples, it was the north end of the lake. We're fishing a completely opposite side. And so I took the information I got out of all that and I compared it to the topo map the JT sent me. And I look for very similar conditions in water depth, what the structure is, how close it is to a creek channel, all the factors that were in that north end, northern end of the lake. I found two spots that I can confidently go to this weekend and know that there should be big fish in that, that little area. Mm -hmm. So I just narrowed it down to a very specific set of parameters sort of like Drew Gregory does, where he looked at the, the lily pads. Well, that's not a factor, so he pulls the pins. Basically, I'm doing the same thing, just using all the, the data I can get and then comparing that to my old maps. So, so real quick, if you're listening in right now, let us know in the comments, do you have a pre-fishing strategy? Like, do you go to the maps? Do you do this every time you go to a new body of water? Uh, even if you don't turn a tournament fish, most people don't tournament fish, right, right? Right. On average. And so do you do something like this? Let us know in the comments. Cause I'm, I want to know, or you just go out there because Hey, you know, I, I, every, you know, every week I get to go fishing on Saturday and I just go out there and have a good time. And I haven't delved this deep into it. Um, and we'll come back to those comments here in just a little bit, but thank you. Anything to add on that JT? No, I mean that's we've been doing this together for so long. It's even if we're fishing solo, we kind of we kind of do the same thing. I mean, it's just it's just the way just the way we go. I mean, it's it's hard a lot of the times because you know with gas prices and things like this. You know, even if you're just going out to fun fish, you want to try to maximize your time on the water the best you can. And uh, you know, I've done I've done some videos on what we're talking about as well, using your technology and other things to kind of help you out. You know, and maybe make things a little bit easier too because. I, I've, I've shown people using Google Earth, especially if you're bank fishing, you can go back and find places where the channel swings in near the bank. And that's an immediate advantage um, to fish because a lot of times if you have a, a channel swing in near the bank that you're going to be fishing, that space between the channel and the bank mm. will often be loaded with bass because the bass will come up out of that channel, push the, push the bait fish against the bank, and you're right there throwing your you know chatterbait or whatever right in front of them. You know, you've just saved yourself a whole lot of things instead of just walking up on some bank and bomb casting out as far as you can. So sometimes you can do that. And sometimes like in this this lake I was talking about earlier, you know, I can go back and, and look at the maps from 15 years ago and the water was so low. You can see all the stumps sticking out mm. of the water and it's like, oh, I can sit right here on the bank if I wanted to and cast all around these stumps that might be six inches under the water that you'd never know were there because you didn't you know, you didn't look at a, a map. To say, oh, there's something there. You know what I mean? So it's just it's just one of those little things that you can maximize your, you know, instead of just going fishing, you can increase your chances of catching. Yeah. Hey, put in the work. It, it pays off. It really does. Yep. 100%. Yep. So if you were to, if, if any of you were to do like a Google search right now, those listening in, how to catch fish in October, you're going to see the same thing over and over and over again. Find yep. the bait fish. So here's my question to you, gents. Now, obviously, if you find the bait fish, great. Finding the bait fish is not the easiest thing to do, right? You can nope. spend all day and not find them because it's a really small, unless they're hitting on the top, they're going to be hard to see unless you're running electronics and you're just going to be graphing 
all day long until you get on them. Yep. So, and, and, and a lot of people don't run electronics. I did a poll on this not too long ago. You'd be yep. surprised how many people don't have electronics, which is totally fine. So not having electronics and not seeing them blow up on the top. So you don't know where the bait fish are. How did, how would that change your strategy? What would you do now for those listening in who don't have electronics, can't find the bait fish? Where are you fishing? What, what, what words of wisdom would you give them? So I'll hop on this real quick. So we, the most bait fish we found, now, I, the funny thing is, I've got a 10-inch unit on my kayak. I've got a 5-inch unit on my boat, right? <laughs> so we're rolling around, and we see balls of bait fish out in the middle. But the problem is, this is where all the pleasure boats and the big motor boats and the houseboats are still out there. Um, so we're like, we're not going to fish, you know, we're not going to be out here on Main Lake. You know, it's just one of those things. Like, we, we know this weekend somebody has either found them or we follow them or, or we'll find them. It's, it's just the nature of the beast. And whoever that is, we'll probably smack them mm. unless it's 30 degrees, and then we'll see what happens. But we we decided to play the not not chase the bait fish game because we couldn't find them. I mean, we you know we were out airing the boat out and burning up some gas just because I wanted to get some gas through the motor because that's – is that the second time I've been at it in all year? Probably. <laughs> but, you know, we wanted to burn some gas through it and cover cover some water. But we decided we're going to eliminate a lot of that and fish in areas that are a little more contained. Um, and a lot of people will probably do this. They'll be up in the creeks and things like that, too. But um, we decided to target. And, and one of the good things, especially in the fall, if you can find them and you have access via kayak or boat or whatever, is bluff walls. And, um, mm. you know, you have access to deep water. The fish can be sitting, you know, if you're in if you're fishing off a bunch of bluff walls where the water nearby could be 20 feet and then you might have a shelf that's like three feet right next to the wall, or you might have a, a shelf next to a, a, you know, bluff walls where it just drops straight down and it could be, you know, 10, 20 feet deep along that whole drop off. Well, what you can do there, there is, you know, throw crankbaits or jerk baits at different water le you know, levels, or like I was doing, I was just throwing a Senko out and just letting it drop mm -hmm. and then figure out where they, you know, where they wanted it. And sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not. But again, when you've got a wall that a bass can push bait fish against to narrow the lake down, so to speak, it makes them it makes it easier. And that's why they push them shallow when they can too. Right. You're right. if you put an object, it's easier for a bass to take a bait take a bait fish and eat it when it's trying to push it against an object or into a shallow because you're eliminating water. You know, you're making the target of the right. bait fish. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you can go left or right, and I cut you off. You can't keep going straight. Right. So the bass know this, and that's how they they feed. It's just you know depending on what time of day. And with Jeremy and I kind of figured this out. It was already late in the afternoon, so nowhere near the time of day we were going to be fishing. But we're like, if they're eating now, they're going to be here around during the day. So we know mm -hmm. we can come through with top water in the morning. We could come through with you know shallow diving crankbaits. You know more finessey. You know, it later, you know, a little bit later. And then if we got to get deeper and slower, hit it with a jerk bait. And then, you know, Jeremy's throwing his Texas rig. I'm throwing a jig, you know, things like that, where you're hitting all levels. They may not be there right when you're there, but they will be eventually. And, you know, if you find other place with rock, like Jeremy was talking about targeting wood, I'm going to be chasing rock. Rock always holds heat. Rock gives them little cracks for the bait fish to hide in and bass, you know, love love running them, you know, running them into the rocks too, for the same thing, just easier to target. 
Yeah. So we're trying to reduce the lake into smaller areas. You know, I'll probably try to find a creek to fish in if I can, you know, to narrow. And, you know, since we're fishing the KBF Smalley series, we maybe may as well go for smallmouth, you know, but in, in, in one advantage we have over all the other bass tournament formats in this specific tournament format, every bass counts. Mm. So if you catch a limit of five, seven inch fish, you're probably going to catch more fish than a lot of the other guys are going to. Because last year at the same time, I went to a spot that I had been hammering big fish on all year. And we get there and the cold front comes through and I catch one fish each day. I think I had a 15 incher on the first day. And then I was fishing short time on the second day because I was more worried about going doing media stuff because I was doing the live stream. But I caught an, I caught another like 12 or 13 inch fish yeah. on Sunday and then packed up by lunchtime and went to the setup for the award ceremony. I'm I'm more like the staff than I am one of the true competitors, but I still want to try to catch some fish because you know, it's it's what we're there for, you know. Hey, you know what? Have have some fun. If you're if you're not doing this for a living, my goodness, go into it. Yeah. First and foremost, have a good time. You happen to well, and the know, big thing is like, place, like we always it. say, every cast, any cast, it could be the biggest bass you ever caught, and that's you know that's the other thing too. So while we were out smoking the dinks the other day. You never know when a, a big one, you know, like that 19 and a half I come up. Cause I was telling Jeremy, I was like, dude, it's the last day of September. And I, the biggest fish I have on the board right now is a 15. And I haven't, you know, I haven't caught a big fish since last month. And then I played it out. I timed it out, put the right bait on in the right time and then smoked a good one and then missed another one after that too. So oh, it pays, like it pays off. That, yeah. That oh yeah. I was like, Oh, I should, I should absolutely destroy that on Saturday. Real early in the morning, that moon is just huge when mm -hmm. she's supposed yeah. to, you know, put the bite on. And I caught a couple, you know, 15. I think I got another like 17 and a half, which is nice. But I was like, oh man, this morning. So I, I go fishing before work a lot. And the last two mornings I went out, I went to a really clear lake on Monday morning and I caught like two fish and they weren't shallow. It was really clear. I could see everything, you know, down to like 10 feet. And so I started fishing the weed lines and eventually I think I caught. Just two. It's like sixteen. The other one's like seventeen. I mean, those are respectable fish, but oh, yeah, not what I was fish. looking for. I'm fishing with a peanut butter and jelly jig with a D bomb yep. missile baits trailer. And it's like, oh, brutal. So I'm gonna go out. I tried a different lake, stained lake, this morning. And I don't I I'm hoping that the bite is now on for me because I pulled out a Nico rig. So just a five inch dinger. I don't buy nail weights. I buy the nine thirty second pan head sheet metal screws. <laughs> just screw mm -hmm. those in the end. They're so much yeah. cheaper, guys. You want a little hack there. Um, and they they work. But I was getting discouraged again because all my normal oh, places. We gotta, we gotta follow this tip. We gotta follow this tip because it's not just good for a weight. That screw head sticking out the end of it when it taps off a rock, Tink. that draws their attention. Tink. Oh yeah. So you got to make sure you got to spill them so beans good. too. So good. So good. So um, I eventually found them. You know, they say like 90% of the fish are in like 10% of the water. Um, I, mean, I would say like 99% of the fish are in like 4% of the water. So it feels like, because whenever I found them, and this is like just a tip in general, like as soon as you catch a fish, I mean, it's giving you like a ton of clues. You're like, okay, what was yeah. the depth? What was it by? You start, you start looking around where are the ledges. Um, into so many th different things. You're like, how can I recreate this someplace else on the lake that I know? But I picked up here. I, I got pictures of it. I'll show it. 
but the Nico rig. Because a lot of people right now they're bringing out their crankbaits, right? Yep. And 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 you should, right? Yeah, I caught some crankbait today, breaking out their spinner baits. That's all I saw this past Saturday. All the boats. All I see is spinner baits flying through the air. Spinner bait. Spinner. Everyone's throwing spinner bait right now. And I have one hooked up. I just haven't had a luck, a lot of luck with it. I have a jig, hooked up as well. Mm-hmm. But I throw this Nico on, right next to a lily pads, right near some deep water, within like two flips of a tail. Bass can be in twelve feet of water, and I'm like fishing six feet, right on the edge, and I get two fish within like five minutes. Here's the first one. This one's where'd it go? Is it showing? It's not showing for me. Well, it did. For a second. There it there is. is. Oh, I don't see a thing. Well, all right, there's the first one, and then followed up with this girl. Oh my! Oh later. yeah, on the Nico. So yeah, don't forget about your your soft plastics right now is, is really yep. what I'm trying to say here. A lot of people are like they retire them right now when October hits. We're like, oh, hard baits, hard baits, hard baits. Keep your Senko on, put in a you know, put in a nail weight yep. or a pan hit screw, and man, that was just this morning. So that a big belly because on this it. time of year, this time of year before they really start their fall feed, and this is a mistake I make all the time. This time of year is when it's really brutal. If you find a fish, stay there. My biggest mistake is I will catch one and I'll be like, okay, I was doing this and this kind of thing and let me go somewhere else and try to find Mm. them. No, no, stay put for a while Mm -hmm. because there's probably going to be more there. That is the thing that kills me more than often. And I try to go replicate that somewhere else because it worked instead of fishing the fish that were there. That way you always hear it said, don't leave fish, fish to find, find fish. fish. And I am notoriously <laughs> bad about doing that. He yells at me all the time. Bro, why didn't you just stay there? Because I got to go find more fish. No, you don't. You found them. You know, stay there and fish them out too. But the other piece of that too is, is the key thing about that Neko rig is right now, if they're not chasing yet, if they're not murdering your spinner baits and doing that, they they're haven't not. started that true fall nope. feed yet. Slow, slow. Jeremy will drag slowly that, and, and you tipped off one of the baits that I was, you know, going to be throwing this weekend. But it's it's hey. right here on the old. But yeah, I mean, like you said, just stick a nail in it, and you know, you can use the same cinco and just be slow, and you know, until they really start. Firing up that metabolism, knowing. And these cold nights are going to bring it. I mean, after this coming weekend, mm. you know, like Jeremy said, the best fishing in the state is probably going to be in two weeks. Probably about the time we're down at Gunnersville chasing, you know, fish down there. Yep. And, uh, you know, then we'll come back home before Knucklehead and smack a bunch of them and they go back down there too. But, yeah, so for right now, and if you, if you find them in the creeks and they're feeding, bust that spinner bait out, your chatter bait, buzz bait, and hang on. Because they're going to kill it. If they're not there yet, slow down. Texas rig, creature baits, Jeremy throwing his worm. Of course he's throwing his worm because he always throws Loot his worm. Flag. Always throws Loot the flag. worm. <laughs> yeah. You know, drag a jig you know, or swim a jig, you know, just f- kind of figure out what they want. But until once they start that fall feed, it's just cast and hang on. Get ready to go for a kayak ride because you're going to be circling around all over the place. That's the best. Oh, I tell you, at last year when I came back from – um, we came back from the kayak bass fishing national championship in, uh, I think it was early November. I went back to this place and I had, I had five fish. I uploaded that one day for the monthly cause I was running out of time and I had like 
two or three 19s and two 18s in the one day. Mm. And it was like, I came in like second or third in the state just from that one magnificent day. And it was all on chatterbaits or buzzbaits, just exploding. <laughs> and that was, you know, and then we had ice the next weekend. But I mean, it was great. But it's coming. Yeah. The end of October will be so much better than the beginning of October. Kind of like, you know, kind of like, you know, September was. September sucked for everybody. But, you know, if you get out there enough, really you'll find them in the middle of the day. But you're going to find now is when they're more doing stuff in the morning or probably the evening. It doesn't seem to be that as much of that midday bite as much anymore. It's not. For me, once you start getting to like 11 o'clock, like bites over. And it's been over for about an hour since like 10 o'clock for me. But back to your yeah. point, don't leave fish to find fish. And everybody, I think, is guilty of this. Um, because if, if you do a lot of research right now, a lot of people are going to be telling you, be on the move, be on the move. And what yep. they're saying is be on the move, but when you find them, stop, <laughs> right? Yep. And so you're on the move to cover a lot of water to try to find out where they're at. You're throwing your, your spinner baits, your crankbaits, trying to cover a lot of water. Um, because when I caught those two, there I, I probably caught 10 other fish over the next hour in that exact yep. same space. So yep. some of the biggest that. days that I've had ever were... I caught a fish, threw right back in there, instantly got another bite, and then it's just like it's on. I was throwing, I had JT on the phone. I'm throwing a drop shot in two foot of water just to see if I can catch fish with it. Every yep. bait I, I was throwing, and it didn't matter, chatterbait, I don't throw it. I threw a chatterbait, and I caught a chatterbait fish. I'm like, holy cow. So yep. when you find fish, stay on them. Just catch them. Yeah, I would head over to the comments here. I asked uh, a few moments ago people to kind of chime in of what they use for their pre-fishing pre strategies. Trevor Wagner, maps, Google Earth, look for videos of the lake. That's kind of common. Um, he says, I like it when there's a reservoir and you have a map of the land prior to it being filled. Mm -hmm. So roadbeds, yep. old foundations of a house, uh, etc. That's the juice there. And so just putting huh. in the work. Um some places ponds will even show you where, with that Under, ponds? underwater ponds. Find them. You're on them. Yep. There you go. Yep. Find, I like it. Find something that was a pond before it was a lake. <laughs> oh, so how, how would you even go about like looking at old, old, studying, old maps? Studying maps or like the old aerial. Uh, like we have a lake where they took aerial photos before they they filled it in. Yep. And so it shows all the roads. It shows mm. where ponds used to be, farm ponds, old towns, buildings, all that. So, but find an old pond. And sometimes you can figure it out when you're on the water anyway, that you notice it's like a bowl shape, you know, and it's kind of odd or, well, I can't say anything about the other because it pertains to what we found this weekend. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, there's ways of finding old ponds and you will always find some of the biggest fish in those areas. Hmm. Still, still hanging out there. Here's a question for you. Cause I posted a photo of Magdraft catch and JT, you commented on it on, on Facebook. Cause a lot yep. of people are like right now into October, all you're hearing once again, how do you catch bass in October? Clickety clickety clack on Google. Yep. Size down, size down, size down. Yeah. Use smaller worms, smaller worms. Yeah. 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 Yep. So what's your thoughts on that, both of you? Oh, 
we were throwing the glide baits too. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, regardless of what's going on, if there's a big fish in the area, and don't get me wrong, we're both going to be downsized fishing the majority of the day. We will both have probably a Magraph nearby. I don't think I'm going to take, I don't think I'm going to take my glide rod, but I'm definitely going to have a mag draft just because I want something that's in between the glide, but you know, still bigger than standard too. So yeah, when I'm, when I'm done, when I'm done throwing the jig or something, the glide will, or the, the, the mag draft will probably get tossed around in some areas as well. Just, just because, just yeah. because if yeah, I get like five little ones, then I'll probably upsize and then try to find somebody bigger. There you go. Use your six inch or eight inch mag. I throw the six. I mean, since we've got the Chad Chads that are bigger, but you know, I'm just looking for something to upsize a bit, but not go overboard. Now, if yeah. I'm down there in Texas, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> or if I'm in Texas, Florida, out, you know, Alabama down South, you know, that's the, they can throw those tanks. Yeah, for sure. Jeremy, what do you think? I know what he's going to throw, and he probably ain't going to say. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I. You can be cryptic. You guys I, are going I to do, a tournament. We'll respect that. Well, I do downsize on one level, but then again, I I upsize. So, a lot of people right now will throw the little Kitek paddle tails on a underspin. I go with a a shorter, fatter paddle tail on an underspin. Um, it. it it's smaller, but it has more action, I think. And this time of year, I can match the hatch a lot better by cutting off the tip of the uh, the little paddle tail until okay. I got the right the size to match the hatch. What so are you doing it, again? So I take a paddle tail, and right. when I figure out what size the bait fish are, I'll start Trim cutting. All right. So that that's pretty much my fatter instead of the skinnier Kitex. Um, yep. And then, like I said, you never know. There's a period where they go to the seven inch worm. That's the only thing they'll bite. And then here in about three weeks, that 10 inch worm for me will be money. I won't throw anything else from after we get back. The only thing I'll be throwing is a big glide bait and a big worm. You and your big worm. That thing comes oh, out always. and it never goes to sleep. Dude, if never. I showed people pictures of the fish I've caught this year, 98% of the fish have come on that. And it's because you fish I, it 98% of the time. Well, <laughs> but they're big fish. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I do. There are things like rattle traps. I could catch smaller fish on it. There's a lot sure. of baits I use just for fun fishing. But when I'm looking for bigger fish, you know, it, and it, it could be anything. It could be hopping it on the bottom, letting mm -hmm. it just dead stick in it, or swimming it. You know how many fish you catch swimming a 10-inch worm around lily pads? I mean, they crush it. And that, mm -hmm. that's all year long. So I just apply what I know. When they're feeding, I think it's less about the bait you're throwing and being in the right area with a lot of fish. Because then they're competing against each other. You'll see a lot of people doubling up. You know, you ever seen a guy throwing an A-rig and catch two fish at the same time? You'll see a mm -hmm. lot more of that right now than you do the other times of the year. And will I, I be throwing an A-rig? Yes, I will be throwing an A-rig. <laughs> I always love it when you like I was going to ask you if you're actually going to take one. Yep. Nice. 
Uh, I always now, love when you like catch a fish and you see another one like come at it. Um, that's why I love when I see a blow up, I pull up my wacky rig oh, yeah. and I throw it boom yeah. right next to it. And you'd be surprised. Like you'd be surprised. I'd probably say four, three to four times out of 10, that bass will smack it. If I follow up with the wacky rig, if I do it, yeah. I have it ready. Like right. it's like people always ask me the question like, Oh, why do you carry six rods? I only need one. I was like, cause within a 50 yard period, I'll break out every single one of them and use them. Yep. Um, yep. and I don't have time to sit there and retie knots. A lot of times that opportunity is is gone by the time i change out that particular lure but all right there is a um, really good question if, if for a quick segue since we talked about colder weather coming in this yeah, weekend and jeremy be a good one to answer this but uh patrick Fahey's uh, message at 918 about uh dry suits and so forth that would be a go. really good jeremy to uh to kind of cover because i'm a polar bear so i might be in a light jacket but jeremy um, you know, because of his arm condition has to stay a little warmer. So, uh, talk a little bit about cold weather, how you prepare Jeremy, because we had to do this last year when we went to the NC yep. because we kept having those winter like conditions in the middle of October. Well, here's the question before you answer it, Jeremy. Okay. It says winter is coming. Winter is coming. Do you guys wear any dry suits or semi dry suits for fishing below 50 degrees? No, I don't. Yeah. So you got to give us more than that. Come on. Okay. Your so, rationale. Motorcycle jackets that are heated. They're very lightweight. They fit under your rain gear. They come with a big battery and the sleeves are heated. The front's heated. The back. My core stays heated the whole time. And it's got a little button where I can change the amount of heat. So... I just set it and I go. That battery lasts all day long. I charge it just like I do my electronics batteries. And I was out in, what, 22-degree weather yep. and was just toasty as could be. So now, to, to kind of expand a little bit on what his question was, there um, you want to go find a channel called The Little Stuff. And Jeff Little did a whole series on, because he works with NRS, on dry suits on various layers and things like that too, because honestly, you know, in, in, in true winter fishing, when the water temps are down where they're dangerous to your body, um, that's when you got to be careful and you want to have, you know, dry suit type stuff on, or, you know, being able to get out of the water very quickly. So you don't, you know, hypothermia. And I know Derek's or Darren's done some, some videos on these as well, but you want to, um, you want to choose carefully what you take and where too, but you also want to have a kayak that you really don't have to worry about that as much in. I am in, in winter conditions. I'm not going to be out on a river in true moving water where it's more likely that something can happen versus being on a lake or a pond where the water is a little more still, you know, you're, you're less likely to come out of the kayak, but as far as just cold, you know, you're talking about cold weather versus cold water. So Jeremy has to keep his core warm for his for his arm to operate, and uh, he wears a sleeve on it under his jacket as well, so he can layer. Um, I'm a polar bear, so I could be out there in a pair of Wrangler pants and a, a long sleeve fishing shirt and a jacket, and I'll be fine. I mean, people looking at me last year when we were fishing, you know, and there was ice on the water, and uh, I'm out there in a jacket. But it's like you know the the water temp then wasn't that cold; it was just the air temp. But, you know, you have to layer, and I don't do the whole flannels and this and that. You want stuff that's going to dry quickly if something happens, or at least as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. So 
even if it's a jacket that I could take off and throw on something else, you know, I wear fishing shirts that will dry wick pretty quickly versus, you know, we'll wear, we do wear our NRS neoprene boots to protect our feet and legs. And, you know, cause you, you don't, you, you want to, you want to keep warm your core areas. You most lose heat, the top of your head, your hands and your feet. Um, the rest of your body, the core itself does a pretty good job for that too, but you protect those areas where heat escapes the most. You can stay warm. Jeremy pedals, so he's often warm anyway, just from fisher sizing. Mm-hmm. And then me out there, you know, pushing the button on the remote. Um, that's fine because like I said, I, I I'll be up in a deer stand in 20 degree weather in light pants and a jacket, and I'm fine. That's just I'm it's not from being hot, skinny or fat or whatever. It's just the way your your body nature is. Either you like hot weather, you like cold weather. He likes hot weather. I'm a polar bear, and we just you know we know that, and that's just the way it goes. <laughs> and I, I'll, I'll reiterate um, because I, I did a video, I did a bunch of research on this. Uh, yeah. I think this video is called "Life Saving Gear Should Be on Your Kayak." And what people underestimate is what cold water will do to you, and how actually how little time you have before you start losing body function and could go unconscious. I mean, and I'm not talking about you're out there floating the water. can't get back in your kayak. Let's say you yep. got wet and you're 30 minutes from the, the boat dock. Right. Yep. And so don't underestimate that for sure. Um, dress to swim is kind of the, the way to go here, especially in, you know, you know, your own body, you know, people down in Texas, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it never gets that cold but up here in Ohio. I mean, it became yep. real to me. My dad and I were fishing early in the season and we were probably 20 minutes from the boat dock and he, he got wet and I had an extra jacket, which is nice. And I actually towed him back. But I was just thinking if my dad was out there where we were at, which is the furthest part, furthest away from the d- boat ramp, that would have been, that could have been dicey. Mm-hmm. It really could have. And so don't become a statistic there. Yeah. Well, let's go tactical. The last few moments that we have together. If you have a question for JT or Jeremy, um, go ahead and throw that in the, comments and we'll circle about that and finish up on those army outdoors says hey what's up fellas still hunting for my first california bass gonna hunting this weekend for sure um we miss you miss you brother thanks so much for uh one being a member of the wendell fishing and i believe probably gramps too i believe so i'm not oh, sure yeah. but uh oh, yeah. yeah so love all the support as gramps says and i said it all goes back in the channel we're not making any money on this <laughs> not at all no um Bassin with Big Malone says, hey, as Debo says, always bring an extra pair of clothes with you. Yes. Um, yep. Put it plastic if you're carrying it on the yak or Along with one of those little thermal mouth. blankets in case you yeah. have to get to shore to help kind of. And a fire starter. They, yeah. they they have a little kit that you can put in a dry bag with your extra clothes. Yep. And that way you got tinder. You just grab some sticks and whatnot. Boom. You got a little fire. If you have to get to the bank and dry, change your clothes. Yeah, better safe than sorry. Yep. Yeah. Alan Gaines, MMA. Here's a good question for you. I I know Wendell hasn't tipped yet. That is true. Yet is, is the key because it, it will happen as much as I fish. <laughs> but has it happened to you guys? And if it was, was there anything you could have done to prevent it? I know, Alan, we've been going back and forth on the channel. He's kind of new, newer to kayak fishing, and he's falling in love with it. So any any words of wisdom there? I'll go first, and then you can tell your story. How's that? Because you were with me. So you know how you like seat risers on your kayak? Well, I thought I was going to be clever and make some of my own out of blocks of like two by four. Oh, I'm going to rise my seat up a couple inches, and I'll just restrap my seat backs down, and I'll be good. So 
I'm sitting there probably about five, four or five feet off the bank. And uh, I shifted my weight to the left a little. One block went over. The other block went over. I went over. The kayak rolled because it threw me over. I don't know how many rod tips I broke. I mean, oh, done no. everything. Didn't have anything leashed. But we were right, no. you know, right next to the bank. But I was probably in five, six foot of water. And uh, so it was shortly after that that I learned about awesome accessories from Navarre Fishing and mm-hmm. Yak Gadget and all these guys who actually 3D print stuff. But And then I decided after that, you know what? The seat position is perfectly fine where it is. <laughs> but, I mean, a lot of people think that. You know, they go out and buy a kayak, and they're like, oh, I can add a seat to it myself later. No, if your kayak was meant to have a seat that's not the little padded cushion with the little padded back, you know, and you want a lawn chair, you should have bought a kayak with the lawn chair already in it. Don't try to yeah. go get one and put it in it. That kayak wasn't made to do that. And I was trying to do the same thing. I was trying to modify stuff for something really I didn't need, but I'd seen other people. Oh, seat risers. It's so much better up here. No, I'm a little bigger. I'm a little more round. I cover more space in the 37 inches of the kayak. I need to stay confined in the kayak because as Bearded Paddler says, keep your head inside the kayak because once it goes outside of the kayak, the width, (laughs) so do you. And that's what happened to me being stupid trying to put seat risers. It's something that really didn't even need it. Jeremy's Jeremy's got a story that was in a little bit older kayak, but his was a little more traumatic than mine. Well, really quick, yeah. to, to your story, um, I was actually just doing a video on the water today talking about seat risers and that very thing, right? They're not designed to go up an extra inch or two yep. inches, right? The higher you get, the less stable it is going to be for you. Um, and so keep that in mind when you, if you want to do that and when you want to do that. And if you guys didn't hear the Bearded Paddler, we went, I think, for the longest podcast on the KFO show just a couple of weeks ago. It was like an hour and 45 minutes. But he brought the juice. So he manages one of the largest kayak stores in North America. And so he has, he's, he sells this thing every day. And so he also has a channel, The Bearded Paddler. Go check him out. But uh, we're going to have him back on. But, Jeremy, let me hear your story in the semi-older kayak. Yeah, so I had never rolled it until I did. And I was in a sit-in with four rods tucked down in, in the kayak where my legs go and I hit a stump and instantly I was upside down trapped. Oh, those rods pinned my legs. So I had to actually physically pull those rods out while I'm upside down, holding my breath to get my feet out. I lost almost everything that day. My phone, my glasses, rods, everything. And I realized that never again so now i take it serious that's why i have the fire kit the clothes the if i whatever the situation i can run into and always wear my life jacket because that Mm -hmm. saved my life so yeah yeah, it it, it is because you don't it, it happened so quick there was no oh my gosh what it was i'm upside down why can't i get out so yeah, yeah. I, I always tell people don't don't take more than you have to on your kayak because that's where things start going bad. You know, the bigger kayaks, you put too much stuff on it, you get into waves. What's it gonna do? Yeah. You no. Know, so use common sense when you're loading out your kayak. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, you said you lost everything. Um, 
almost lost your life, which is crazy. Yeah. I keep hearing, guys, as someone and JT, you probably have this too. I can't tell you how many comments I get like every month and people share a story with me. Hmm. And the story is about how I would have lost my life if I wasn't wearing a life jacket. And, yeah. and they're not like, oh, I tip my kayak over, you know, in open water. And, you know, it, it's like it's always the compounding of mistakes that gets them into a scenario and it happens fast. And if it, I just had it happen this past week. Like I was on the river, this happened, this happened, this happened, and this happened. All random, but all happened at the same time. And if I didn't have my PFD, I wouldn't be writing this comment today. Have yeah. you, do, you, do you get that a lot, JT? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I get various emails on things like that, tips that we've given that have helped people, mm-hmm. along with other folks that are like first responders or soldiers or, you know, who understand the, the therapy part of this as well. But it's not very therapeutic. When you're out fishing and you're, you know, next thing you know, you're upside down in the water, you know, and, 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 you know, Jeremy's still fit enough to really be able to swim. Whereas, you know, I got bad bones and feet and this and that. I had an incident last year. It's, it's funny thinking about it, but had I not had my, say, had I, had I not already had my PFD on, it could have got, you know, dangerous, literally stepped on in uh, a dock that was, you know, filled with algae and steep and the ramp was a long, deep ramp. And I mean, I slid down the ramp and under the water and came back up because I had my jacket on and it was close enough to basically grab the back of my kayak. And I'm only, you know, the front of my kayak is still on the ramp and I'm under the water behind the kayak, grabbing it like this. Mm. And then having to walk myself back up and basically crawl up the ramp because it was so slippery. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just one of those things that, you know, there's never the perfect water shoes. Um, but Crocs and boat ramps with algae on them just do not work. And you see that often people will slip on, you know, it's funny when we see it, but you know, those of us are on cameras all the time, but you know, you see people slip on muddy banks and things like that too. But you know, just having that PFD on, I've always made it a habit of, I put my boat in the water and then my PFD always stays in the back seat of my truck. And I grab the PFD when I lock my door, grab my keys and my phone. I tether my phone to my life jacket. Mm-hmm. I lock my keys in the pocket that's zippered in my life mm-hmm. jacket. And I zip my life jacket as I'm walking down to the kayak. It never stays down on the kayak. I don't put it on on the water on the water or the ramp. I do it at my truck so that it's on me when I get to my kayak, just because of incidents like that where you could just slip just something as simple as a boat ramp and go right underwater. Crazy. Trevor Wagner said the dumbest comment I heard from a person who said they did not wear a life jacket is because they do adult things. Oh my gosh. His response was like, like dying. Yeah. 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 Um, All right. We're not going to, I'm not going to kick that dead horse here. Let's leave the viewers and listeners with some juice. So we'll, we'll kind of end. We'll kind of end on this. Lures you would recommend for October. And you can even break it up like first beginning of October, late That's October. Too, yeah. yeah, yeah, I know, right? Because it's, it's, there's a big difference between the two. And it, not yeah. necessarily what you had tied on now. And feel free. You guys are coming up in a tournament. We're gonna, we, I want to honor, you know, you guys got some. We all have things that we don't share, right? I literally have a color of a particular rig that i use that it's kind of the secret between a buddy and i that we fish so we always have those things we kind of hold back to yourself so if you have those obviously hold those back but what would you recommend to someone who's like i can't catch them 
right now. And I haven't been able to catch him the second pass of Octo- second part of October in years past. What am I doing? Help me out. Pass it off to you guys. Buzzbait and balsa. <laughs> Say what? Say that again. A buzzbait and balsa wood cranks. Interesting. Th- those are my two picks. Yeah. Right now. Every, yeah. Well, yeah. For most of this month, I'll be throwing both of those. Yeah. So I, throw, I, I have those tied on. So yeah, I'll throw I'll throw some tor- sort of top water to start off with. If I'm chasing Smalley's a whopper popper, mm-hmm. I'll probably you know or a buzz bay. Um, I love the Z-Man Hellraiser just because it's something they haven't heard yet. Um, one of the things I'm going to be looking for Friday. I don't know if they're the four inch versions of those are out yet, but you want to start today with the top water just to see. And literally, as it picks up, you can almost throw a buzz bay or a top water all day long just to mm-hmm. see and cover water. Um, but yeah, the smaller crankbaits in playing with depth, um, as it, as it warms up, I'll slow down and throw a jig, throw a Senko. I'll always throw a Senko. Um, if I wanted to get, you know, if I wanted to have a little different presentation, I'll put that screw in the front or mm-hmm. I have the tungsten nail weights because I like hearing that tap tap on rocks. So I'll, you know, it'll be some form of Senko with a nail in it or not. Nico style or wacky or Texas rigged. Um, and then a jig. And then as the end of October shows up, then it's spinner baits, buzz baits, and jackhammers and chuck and wind and just slam all day long. But that's probably depending on where you're at in the country, you know, when when they really start that fall feed. Um, and an underspin is another one with a smaller swim bait. Um, that's the one I wasn't going to talk about, wasn't it? <laughs> but I mean, a lot of people talk about that too. But I mean, realistically, it's it's if you find them, stay put. And, and fish the place out really well. And then, you know, just keep working those types of areas. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and that's what it's going to take to win this weekend is those, if you, if they, if the guys who win it find the active feed and fish, which is what happened to us last year, mm-hmm. they put up 90 inches both days and the rest of the field from like, you know, seventh down might have caught one or two fish each. Wow. It was just, it was just whoever was on them that day them or not. found them. You know, if they found them in a pocket somewhere, then they were just smoking them. So I expect the same thing again this year. Yep. Well, the, well there you have it, folks. Jeremy, JT, thank you guys so much. Uh, I love having you guys on. We'll have to continue to do that into the future. We're getting toward the end of the fishing season coming up here. We got like a month, month and a half left. I'm going to be down there at the Knucklehead with JT. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, you coming down? Oh, yeah. I'm on Team Cramps. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yep. Of course you're coming down. I'll be. Yep. So we'll I'll be, be down there in about. Three weeks, yeah, three weeks for the state champ championships, and then again, and then again for the knucklehead two weeks later. So yeah, we're gonna go pre-fish in a championship, and then we're gonna go really put it on in knucklehead. Heck yeah, it's gonna be a freaking blast, guys. We have fifty people watching. We can't wait to meet everybody. I know there's some people I've had on the show, but I've never actually met them. Like the majority of people I have not met, Mm -hmm. because there are fifty people live right now between Gramps' channel and my channel. If you haven't done so yet, please hit that like button. It helps us just post video like get extra reach afterwards yeah. which is kind of nice for us and uh hopefully more people out there it'll show up in their feeds which is which is nice and also, we told our channel we told our channel last night that we're renaming and rebranding after oh, yeah. probably around christmas we're going to become hickman outdoors it's going to be a tribute to our father but it's also going to be something where jeremy myself and then my youngest john michael hickman We'll be also contributing content, and it's going to be more outdoor stuff. So we're fishing, kayaking, camping. John Michael likes to solo camp and hike, things like that. 
you might see my other boys hop in as well too, but it's going to be Hickman outdoors. And that's, we're just going to re rebrand everything and bring new stickers to the knucklehead Ooh. and probably launch it there, you know? So I've already moved the Facebook page over and we'll do all that. So fishing and gramps, Hickman, two brothers fishing, all this other stuff. It'll all merge into one and it'll just be Hickman outdoors. And that'll be all of us contributing different content. There it is. If you have not yet, Head over to Fishing with Gramps YouTube page. Go over there. Hit the sub button. Always a blast to follow. Guys, thank you for your time tonight. We will be on next week. I have Impulse Rods. Always love it when you can get companies on. Right? Oh, yeah. kind of go go deep dive. They're hard to get. Like they're hard to like nail down and get to come on the show. But Impulse yeah. is going to be on. Got the owners on. And so we're going to take a deep dive on fishing rods. Something I believe is kind of misunderstood a lot. Yeah. And so look forward to that next Tuesday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Jeremy, JT, you guys rock. Thank you so much. Thanks, brother. Thank yep, you. No problem. You've been listening to the Kayak Fishing Obsessed Podcast. Kayak fishing is a passion that runs through our veins. And our passion is to talk about every aspect of it, have a blast doing it, and laugh the whole way. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Window Fishing.